0: Kitty Crawford, what is your favorite game?
1: My favorite game is Undertale. into games when i was about seven years old uh i had uh two older brothers and one older brother got a playstation uh when i was around that age and i was obsessed with this and it's kind of that thing you know like you know you know the older siblings you kind of like you want to be you think they're so cool and you, and you want to be like them. And so I would like, you know, avidly watch him play um, and then eventually took over his machine to the point that the year after that, when I was eight, my mom bought me my own because <laughs> my brother complained a lot that I kept stealing his PlayStation um, and the rest is kind of history from there. Uh, the first games that she ever bought me was Final Fantasy 7 uh, and Broken Sword Mm. were the first two uh, that i distinctly remember uh i still remember to this day trying to get my other friends interested um and i did this by booting up final fantasy 7 and and playing it a little bit with them and being like look you can name the characters whatever you want and we'd name them bad words (laughs) (laughs) so i'm pretty sure like barrett was dickhead and cloud was like like needle dick or something really <laughs> terrible and bad uh you know that eight-year olds probably shouldn't have been writing. now
0: I'm getting Waterboy flashbacks
1: <laughs> like and it didn't work as well my friends uh, did not want to play they were not interested. I was alone in my in my uh, hobby for for most of my uh, for most of my like childhood and teenage years I don't think I met other people. Or became friends with people that really liked games to the same level as I did until I was like 18 or 19 when I worked in a game store, game retail store, which is a story in and of itself. But yeah, so that that's essentially uh, how I got into games. And for me, it was a very solitary hobby for a long time. It wasn't until I got older and met other people and then got into the games industry that it started to become a shared experience and and shared uh love with other people Hmm. um but yeah uh as for how i got into uh the games industry um i never set out to get into the games industry at all um i from about the age of like 12 or 13 i thought i was going to be a web designer and that was it (laughs) um I decided that that was the thing I started making websites when I was about 11 or 12 and and all sorts of other like silly things and I thought that's what I was going to do uh and then I did a degree in web design and web development so I was convinced that's what I was going to do and when I graduated uh I went into a web development job that was so so terrible and I think anybody well most people who have done a degree can attest to the fact that university kind of sucks the life and sucks the joy out of things that you do and that you love and university really did that to me with web design, uh, which is a shame, but I still like, I still keep it up nowadays, but it's back to kind of being a hobby, even though I get paid for it whenever I do do it. Uh, But yeah, uh, I ended up, I somehow fell into TV as a a junior researcher. And then uh, by the third year I was an assistant producer, Uh, and I, I was there for about four years. I, I loved it. I loved the, I loved the work. I loved the, the, the drama, the, the, all the, you know, intensity of it. Um, but I also couldn't really sustain it. Uh, as bad as people talk about crunch, uh, being in games, like when you're working 14 hour days for two weeks at a time on location, it is really tough. Uh, it's hard to have a social life. It's hard to have a routine. Um, my health suffered a lot. Uh, and so after four years, I made the decision that enough was enough. And I walked away. Um, and I walked away with no plans at all. <laughs> um,
2: Does anybody uh, I, walk
0: away with any plans, Oo?
1: I don't know. Um, I feel like some people... like I feel like it's more sensible to try and think about what you're going to do before you walk away. Uh, or at least have something lined up versus True. me being like... Well, I'm, I don't know. I just was unemployed for a couple of months, um, which I needed. I was burnt out uh, at the end of my TV career, uh, my very short TV career, realistically. Um, but yeah, I went to a lecture because I'd done a master's after I did my degree. And I went to one of my lectures because they now had the biggest games company in Northern Ireland at the time it, that was called In Life Size uh, and it was Greg Maguire. Uh, and I, I went to him cause it was actually a company in dairy Inc had been advertising for a junior programmer position hmm. and a junior designer position. And I was like, Oh, I could do either of those. Um, so I went and talked to Greg and Greg was like, ah, oh, well your, your, your experience is in production and we could use a producer. Why don't you come work with us? And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't really realize games needed producers, (laughs) which as I say now is so bad, like everyone needs producers, man, (laughs) even if they don't know it. Um, But yeah, so uh, I went to work with him through a a scheme called Trainee Finder that Creative Skillset used to do back in the day. I don't think they still do it, unfortunately, which is such a shame um, because it was a really great scheme. Uh, I was with Greg for six months, and then after that I went freelance and started working with different companies in Northern Ireland, which was great. I did that for three or four years until I decided to go traveling um, and became a fully remote producer, which I have been for the past two, two and a half years. And that's how I'm in games, and that's how I'm here now.
0: Quite a whirlwind story to go from Northern Ireland to basically being now just this remote area especially when we are starting to explode a bit now
1: (laughs) right exactly like when i was in northern ireland um i I, like i kind of i wasn't remote but i was working with about like anywhere from two to four companies at any given time anyway Mm. um northern ireland was at that point where everybody needed a producer, but nobody could really afford one Hmm. full time. And so I kind of spread myself across um, and it was around that time I started like seeking out other experts as mentors as well, because I was like, I came from TV and nobody here uh, that I'm working with really knows what they're doing in in the production side of things as well, because they don't have the experience. So it's kind of like the blind leading the blind a little bit. (laughs) So, um, whilst I had transferable stuff, I I still decided I I sought out some mentors, um, which, you know, basically just involved me knocking on people's doors and being like, please tell me, please talk to me. Basically basically cap
0: and hat just saying, please tell me everything and please give me some money.
1: (laughs) It's exactly, exactly what happened. Um, uh, uh, which, you know, I'm pleased to say like me and most of my mentors were still friends even now, and I've worked with, with a a few of them now too, which has been really nice. Uh, but yeah, so I was with them for a couple of years and then I was the, the chair of games and I for a couple of years as well, helping to kind of bring, bring the industry and the community together. Hmm. Um, and it's a weird feeling now being afar and really seeing it take off. Um, knowing that I had a hand in it, but also knowing that what's happening right now has nothing to do with me hmm. um, and feeling both so overjoyed that it's in such good hands um, uh, and then also like wishing I was there too, um, but also knowing that having been there and done it, how exhausting that is, how much work that is um, and knowing that I don't necessarily. Have the energy for that anymore? <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of lot of feelings there. But yeah, I I left in two thousand and eighteen, I think, or two. No, I left in two thousand and seventeen, maybe, um, to go travelling, and I went travelling for about a year, uh, and I didn't know how that was going to work out. I did see it beforehand, but I didn't know if I was gonna if the free if the f- remote thing was going to work, hmm. um, and turns out just like the way Northern Ireland needed that kind of producer, there is a space for that kind of remote producer that not many people fill because there's not that many jobs, but there's definitely still a need for it. And I was very lucky in being able to move into that area. So like these days, the teams that I do work with have people all over the world. Um, uh, One company, their base is in Singapore, but they've got people in the UK and people in, you know, Brazil and 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 all over the place and then the other team is based in the UK but the people in Australia and people in the States and and what have you and the my last team which is based here in Montreal they're the only one where everyone is based in the same place Mm. so it makes for very interesting (laughs) and uh, uh, logistical nightmare (laughs) work sometimes but it's a lot of fun
0: it's it's, it, it's a difficult kind of fun anyway when you put it like that
1: yeah yeah definitely you, you constantly have to be uh uh trying to organize between multiple time zones uh and uh it can be difficult to get everybody on the same page and you have to like for those particular teams you have to be okay with not being in constant contact and things being a little slower because you know when one person's up working everyone the other person might be asleep that they need to talk to and there's uh, very few hours of overlap so it things can take a little longer but um uh like as long as communication in general is good it's it's not been a huge issue in any of those teams yet so
0: Talk of your favorite game, Undertale. Um, so here's a slight spoiler. There's going to be two episodes of Undertale this season. I don't usually allow two episodes of the same game in one particular season, and if an ep- a game is, if a game gets its own episode, basically after that, I give it about a season or two break before we come back to it again. This is the first time we've had two episodes on the same game with two different guests. And I'm not going to mention to Kitty at the time of recording this who the other person is. But by the time this comes out, you will more than likely know who the other person is. But I'm not going to... I'm going to try and not mention who the other person is. <laughs> just, to keep, just to keep Kitty in suspense a little bit. Just to keep her in suspense yeah. a little bit. But also because I don't... That older episode to sort of influence things, but by the time this goes out, you will definitely know who the older person is. Basically, you mentioned how you first got into games with Final Fantasy VII. Undertale is very definitely an RPG in the sense of it has its inspirations from like the likes of Mother and Moon and stuff like that. There, um, but in terms of other RPGs, like was there anything else that interested you while you were starting out besides FF Seven?
1: Like when I when I was first playing games, uh. At... I was just addicted to anything Final Fantasy and Broken Sword. Um, I remember being interested in Monkey Island, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a PC, so I couldn't... I actually asked my mum for Monkey Island, and instead she gave me Skull Monkeys. Which, if you if you know what that is, it's definitely not the same fucking thing. As Skull Monkeys is a, is a claymation platformer, which has classic scenes such as Beans, Beans, the musical Fruit where the character puts beans in his eye and farts out of his head. It's definitely not... And melts an enemy's head. Uh, Definitely not the same thing as Monkey Island. Um, But yeah, I was pretty much interested in any kind of point and click adventure. Um, uh, I love Tomb Raider. I love Spyro the Dragon. uh, Rayman. uh, Gex. The Gecko. Um... Uh, I. <clears throat> what else did I really love? I tried Silent Hill. My uncle got me Silent Hill when I was like 12 years old and I couldn't play it because it terrified me. But I watched my mum play it and had really terrible nightmares, which I never told her about because then she wouldn't let me play. I told her years later and she was like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, because I tell her you're a terrible mother for letting me watch <laughs> you play this. And she'd be like, well, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, what child? is going to tell their mum they're having nightmares of something because then you'd you'd stop letting me watch
2: <laughs> It's
1: absolute
0: nightmare. It's um, sorta of, it's sort of that catch twenty two as well and that yeah, but I'm having nightmares, but then if I if I if I tell you that I'm having these nightmares, I won't be able to see these sort of adult things anymore. It's like,
2: right, exactly. I
1: won't be able to be in the room. Um <laughs> As I got a little older, uh, I played games like like I, it was very much adventure games and point and click games when I was younger. As I got a bit older, I branched out a bit. So mm. I remember getting Time Splitters, and I loved all three of them. Um, Smuggler's Run. He, as then I started to get into like Halo, and then as it got later, like Mass Effect and Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. Um, Uh, And then these days I'll play pretty much anything like I'll give anything a go. Once I've, i found a love for 4X. I fell into such a rogue like rabbit hole uh, in the last like six or seven years um, and find that I really love those types of games. Uh, But I find that I still come back and, and find the most amount of love for really story driven narrative games. Like, and um, I, I didn't expect to love the Uncharted games as much as I did. Oh, or Witcher, uh, I, I, I fell in love of, uh, <laughs> you know, favorites of most people. Um, but I still find myself driven back to like, really niche kind of point and click adventure games, like Gods Will Be Watching, or Return of Obra or, you know, Super Brother Sword and Sorcery, stuff like that. Um, uh, so yeah. Um, it, I have very varying tastes, but I find there was a, a like a really large period. I want to say in between like twenty ten until like twenty sixteen, maybe even longer than that, where I felt like I was playing these games that were enjoyable mechanically and looked fantastic, but didn't have that really deep story telling element that I loved the most. Like I'm, I think character development is where I find the most enjoyment out of those games uh, in that I can get lost in in, in relationship building um, rather than like these grand stories that don't actually have a lot of depth to them. Um, lost Odyssey is a really good example of that where the story in that game is absolutely pants but the character development is so good that it carries... The entire thing.
0: So, what got you in that case then into Undertale? Then?
1: I resisted Undertale at first because the hype around it was so high at the time when it first came out. Like mm. everyone was going nuts about it, and I tend to resist that. Like if if people are going nuts about something, I'm like, yeah, like I don't like being told what to do, <laughs> and I don't like being told being told what I should like. Um. And so I kind of resisted it at first, um, especially when people are like, no, 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 I can't tell you anything, but you'll love it. Uh, uh, But I eventually was like, "Okay, right, just so that I can have an opinion and so that people can shut the fuck up for a second, um, I'm going to play it. Um, And like, I really did go in blind. I didn't I didn't learn anything about it. I didn't even look at what it was about, which I think was the best way to do it. uh and so i got into it and it was that it was that first battle with the first boss uh toriel um that got me because uh, like part of part of the reason why uh, i like the game is that you know there is like that puzzle element to it as well um and i uh i killed I, well, not accidentally, but I killed Toriel at first. And I was like, oh, gosh. I feel really bad about it. Like, I don't think she wanted to hurt me, even though she was hurting me. So then I decided to go back, right? I was like, I'm going to go back, and this time I'm not going to kill her. I'm going to really try. And then I tried, and, and I was successful the second time. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then as you walk out, Fly pops up. And it's like, oh, I see what you did there. I know you killed her the first time. and I was like,
2: what? (laughs) Breaking the fourth wall. Right?
1: And I love that shit. Um, uh, I've actually never played Earthbound. Um, So I I really should go back and play that too. But uh, I know that there's a lot of inspiration from it for Mm. this game, for Undertale. Um, But yeah, like that just like, that was the nail that that solidified, okay, I'm going to really like this game because it's, It's self-aware, it feels self-aware, which is super intriguing to me. Hmm. Um, And then as I was playing, I realized that, like, I just loved the whole concept of looking at those types of RPG games where you're meant to level up by killing all of the enemies um, and flipping that on its head of, of looking at people and monsters, monsters in a different way. That is, maybe when people or monsters are being aggressive, it's not, you know, the right answer isn't to fight back. It's to kill with kindness, right?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Right. And it, I really like that that angle of it. Um, and then, you know, combine that with the very, like, sometimes quite just silly, you know, art assets and art styles and the very distinctive coding of the characters and the silly dating games um, it just made for a really enjoyable experience but then as you go through the game you realize that there's this quite uh dark undertone uh to the whole thing uh and there's actually quite a dark backstory to to a lot of it that you can unfold over time that relates to these characters that you've begun to care quite a lot about um, I think that the, the writing of the game uh, really helps you to connect with characters really quite deeply. Um, and so by the time you get to the stage that you're getting to these deeper storylines, you really, really care about what happens to them. Um, and I hadn't felt like I think what gives me a bit of my uh, bias and love for Undertale is because when I came to it, I hadn't felt like I connected with a game or a story or characters like that in a really long time. And I'd kind of gotten to the point where I was asking myself, is it just that it was the age that I was when I really connected with these stories and these games? Is it that when I was that age, I connected with things in a different way and maybe I just don't connect with media and stories in the same way anymore? Um, And the reason I still do with those older games is nostalgia. But I played Undertale and I find that I connected with the story and with the characters in the same way I did when I was younger. It captured that same feeling, which somehow felt nostalgic, even though I'd never played it before. uh, That made me realise that I hadn't lost it. It, it, There was just no media that I'd played or or touched that had been able to replicate it successfully. Um, And I think that's why even now I feel so strongly about... um, about the game and, and, and where it sits. Because when I was trying to figure out what my favourite game was, like I made a list of games that I really enjoy and um, for a lot of different reasons around like, you know, art and mechanics and, and, and writing and story. But Undertale always kept coming back because of the feeling it left me with. Um, and because of the feelings it made me feel. Uh, but uh, yeah, so all of that, the soundtrack is amazing as well like I still listen to it even now it like it's so emotion filled and 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 because of how it relates to the story it it brings some of those feelings back even when I listen even when I listen to the music now which I love um so yeah all in all I think those are the reasons why uh it is my favorite game as a whole because of the feelings it left me with <laughs> does that make sense
0: it does it does
1: okay okay
0: Practically because the other person who is talking of Undertale pretty much said the same thing.
1: <laughs> Yay!
0: It's a game that leaves you with a lot of feelings anyway. I think that's safe to say.
1: It does. Uh, it, and, like, things I find the media that, that I consume these days that I love the most are the ones that, that can touch on serious things but overall are wholesome as fuck. Right? So, like, I much prefer Steven Universe to Adventure Time. Hmm. um, And I feel like Adventure Time maybe got a little bit more wholesome later on. But, like, it's a similar... I feel like they take similar kind of off-the-wall, like, approaches. But Steven Universe is just so bloody wholesome. It's all about kindness and being good to people and one another and yourself. um, And that's what part of the reason why I like it so much. And I feel like Undertale has that same tone of of like okay we've got our troubles and we've got our issues and you know everything isn't great but we're kind to each other we want to be better and, and and that's why even like that final boss not final boss battle but the boss battle with the king uh asgore hits so hard because you can tell this is not a man that's that's mean or hard or evil even though that's the way it's kind of portrayed at the start like it's it's a man who's having to do what he he's doing what he thinks is right even though you know it's not something that he wants to do he's not a cruel or evil person um uh and and there's something really heartbreaking about that um like all in all uh all of it like it's still very well crafted to the point that it comes together uh to create this overwhelming overwhelming emotional experience um that is sad like it does end bittersweetly but still overall like leaves a wholesome feeling
2: it's not... and,
0: and, and it's funny that you mentioned that as well because like going back to that fourth wall sort of type thing and tying that in with the first boss that you mentioned um and then talking about how it sort of rather than killing them outright, like a a typical RPG, like you're killing your enemies and stuff like that, that you're you're basically killing them with kindness. That's a massive subversion of what a game is expecting from you. Yeah, you're killing them, but you're not necessarily killing them in the sort of traditional sense in that, stab, they die, Gunshot, they die. No, you're literally just sort of, to an extent, killing them with kindness.
1: Yeah, and I like that, especially because, like, I started using the phrase kill with kindness in my teenage years Um, when I worked at a game store. uh, When I worked in in game, um, that was the phrase I started using in retail because I would find that, you know, no matter how pissed off uh, a customer was, if I was just so sickeningly sweet and helpful, normally it would end up embarrassing them into realizing how rude they were being. And then they'd match my tone, right? Um, And so, like, it just—it's—it's kind of always been my motto in life that there isn't anything that you can't overcome by being sickeningly nice, either because you know people are just having a bad day, or you know, you know, something bad is happening. Like, you don't know what's going on in other people's lives, right? Hmm. You, You know, everyone's got their baggage. Um, And it's not like I don't get angry sometimes. I totally do. Um, I have my moments, but um, I started using that phrase and I started to live by that. And so when I came when I started playing Undertale and I realized that that's what its whole thing was as well, it just aligned so much with how I feel like I try and approach life as a person Mm. as well, that it just resonated uh, with me a lot. Um, and as you, as you say, it's a complete subversion of what the approach normally is in most games. Mm. Um, and so it, felt, it it took what really is a done-to-death genre, let's be fair, but gave it a, a real breath of fresh air. So, mm,
0: Like a proper shot in the arm, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. But not actually, with kindness. <laughs> oh,
0: god damn, you <laughs> kitty. God damn it. No, that is not fair. No. I
1: couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. You, you set me up. Had to knock it down. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. Help me, please. Um, just out of curiosity, is there any other games that you've played that have sort of done the Fourth Wall troop very well?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, not that I can really think off the top of my head. Um, maybe. You know, I started playing a game called One Shot a while ago that I never actually finished. I started it and I got so excited about it. I stopped because I was like, I'm going to stream it. This is the perfect streaming game. (laughs) And then the pandemic hit and I haven't streamed it. So I haven't went back to it, but it seemed to do that very well. Um, Like I played the first 30 minutes of it and the setup of that game is, it's called One Shot because you have one shot. Mm. If your character dies, it dies. That's it. You're done. Um, and the whole point thing of it is that it's very self aware in that you are controlling the character. And so the game speaks directly to you, not to the character, but through. So other characters will speak directly to you, being like, oh, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the other one. And then it'll use your real name based on whatever your Steam is, etc. Hmm. Um, the only other game I can kind of think of it, it didn't really break the fourth wall, but I remember Oxen Free. Being really, really mind trippy. Oh god, yes. Right? Being super mind trippy and like doing a lot of different like creepy things. Um and I, I really enjoyed it. Like and that's one of those types of games that you have to play multiple times as well, right? To get different endings and get mm. the best ending. The same way you kinda did in Undertale. Um But yeah, aside from that, I can't think of any. Do you know what I probably have and I just can't
0: remember. There is one obvious thing. Um there is one obvious game, but it's so done to death, uh in terms of reference anyway. Metal Gear Solid. I never played it. Okay, fair enough.
1: That that was a series that I missed. Um and then I think about five years ago I tried to go back to it. Hmm. And I think I jumped into the second one and it just I feel like the mechanics of aged to a point that it was so difficult for me to play I just couldn't get okay. to grips with it. Um but yeah, no, sadly that's that's a genre not a genre, but a franchise <laughs> that I I uh I missed growing up. Uh and so I feel like the barrier to entry is a little too high now.
0: Honestly, you picked the best game to jump into <laughs> in terms of the, that fourth wall brick. Yeah. Oh,
2: okay.
0: Like I'll People say Metal Gear Solid 1 is the best when it comes to that because of the memory card stuff. And, oh, Uh. you play Castlevania. Oh, you play Crash but Like, honestly, it plays the fourth wall stuff in 2 so much better. Just like, oh. You just
1: reminded me of a game, and I can't remember what it's called now. But there was a game, it was a horror game, Mm. that would, like... It was back when, you know those big TVs had the big green bars for volume that would, like, go down? Eternal Darkness. Yes! Eternal Darkness. That was a great fourth wall-breaking game. Yes. That did it very well. It was very trippy. I feel like some of the stuff wouldn't work nowadays just because of the UI (laughs) um, being so different. But, like, it did a good job.
0: The moment I realized you were referring to Eternal Darkness, it's just like... She's referring to Eternal Darkness. <laughs> just so you know, what you know, right? Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is, I've never played Eternal Darkness. I never owned a GameCube. But the minute you started referencing all that, I knew immediately.
2: Right. Eternal yeah. Darkness. Um,
1: that was another one of those ones I played. Actually, I played a little later. I didn't play it when it first came out. A friend of me owned a. A friend of mine owned a PlayStation copy of it, and she lent it to me. So I got to play it a little bit. I never finished it. Um, again, it, it it's quite old mm. at this point. Well, at the point when I played it, but I at least was like, this feels like it was a cultural touchstone. I at least wanted to have some experience of it and know what mm. it was like, and it was very good. So, <laughs>
0: um, back to Undertale the then, because we digress. Um, it is very much an RPG at its heart. It is very much at its core an RPG, but it does tend to fall upon all the genres as well, because, like, there's something, like, it it uses sort of all the genres, like bullet hell shooters as well, and how they... Dating sims? Dating dating sims, Jesus, yes. (laughs) Bullet hell shooters, dating sims, RPGs, basically, Undertale is basically an all-in-one genre package, basically.
1: You don't need any other game.
0: You don't need any just other get game. Get
1: Undertale, that's it. You're good.
0: You just, <laughs> you, I think you just need basically a stealth section at this point, and then I'm sold. But is there a
2: stealth section? I don't think there is.
1: No, there,
0: there isn't. Is? I know there isn't, but I'm just saying if you had the sort of packaged game as in one entire thing, Undertale is <laughs> yeah. probably the closest <laughs> thing to it.
1: Yeah. Um, is there like point and clicky aspects of it as well? Mm. I think there is whenever you're exploring the world map and stuff and exploring the levels.
0: Um, in terms of that, like, just sort of... How, how does it sort of delve into those sort of... How does it make those sort of genres come together and feel coherent? How do you think mm. it sort of did that?
1: Which is a, an interesting question because you'll find sometimes that if you get a game that is melding a lot of different genres together or has varying... Um, mechanics happening at different parts of the game, it usually ends up that it's a hit or it's usually a miss um, because uh, you'll have players that will really love one section but hate the other one because it's so different and it's not what they enjoy um, or vice versa. And first, and it seems that um, Undertale seemed to uh, manage to pair them together really well. Um, and I think it's because it it has taken the RPG formula, but um, uh, integrated it in such a way that it feels natural. So for example, I would argue that the bullet hell stuff is in the battles hmm. uh, and, and battles in RPGs are really, really common. Uh, but you know, how they are displayed or, or how they pan out, uh, is very different. Um, but. It's in older games anyway, uh, it's pretty common to have the battles to be a completely different scene hmm. and not like, you know, real time. Uh, they, they are now, but they weren't then. So it's not a completely uh, different, it's not something that's completely alien to the, to a player. Hmm. Uh, and, and when you're doing something like that or a change like that, I've always heard that the key is to have something familiar with something unfamiliar hmm. um, it is it's like the triangle of weird or something, something recognizable with the, with the thing that's not recognizable and um, to help give the, the player a setting in it. And I think that kind of applies here because going into a separate battle scene makes sense. Um, and that's when it turns into bullet hell. Uh, and I think it works because it's uh, it, the difficulty curve of it works really well uh it 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 starts off super easy as you would expect but the curve is slow enough and 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 like what's the word i'm looking for predictable Mm. enough that um the player never feels well i never felt like it took me off guard
2: Mm.
1: i think the only time that happens is if you decide to do a genocide run and then it gets extremely difficult right um uh, and the bullet hell is interesting because even though it is a bullet hell it's a puzzle Hmm. because the mechanics of each character is slightly different and you have to learn what their patterns are uh and once you've learned the patterns it's pretty easy to then to then beat them um because you just have to follow the pattern um and so I think it works as well because it gives um, it, it gives a challenge aspect to what is otherwise a narrative adventure, right? Mm. Um, uh, and so it makes an interesting mechanic for the rest of the game. So that that those are the reasons that I think that it works. Um, I don't think it ever gets super difficult um, unless you know you decide you want to be the ultimate asshole. Mm. Um, and so it never gets super frustrating either, it, particularly if, even if you're not somebody that's the best uh, at, at reaction uh, stuff, um, mm. it's not, it's, it's pretty forgiving, I think. I think if it wasn't that forgiving, um, it, it would, it wouldn't have worked so well. Um, but it does have the option of being more difficult for those that, that want to explore that. They're the worst people though. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and then the other side of things like say the dating sim or or what have you. Uh, like I think to me those sections work because of the fact that they feel like parodies of themselves. Like I I don't feel like I'm I'm seriously I am seriously playing a dating sim, but I'm not at the same time like it's just so comedically done that I, not in a way that I'm laughing at the characters, but that I'm just enjoying seeing their silliness really have its time to shine and, and have a platform and i also like you know when you do the one with um papyrus i just you know i didn't see it coming i didn't realize this is gonna happen and then it happens and it just feels so surreal and then it happens with Undyne and you're like what the fuck is going on <laughs> Why what? what um it just feels so comical that you know even if it wasn't something that you were the biggest fan of it's entertaining mm. enough that it carries it really well um uh and you know the the unifying theme of the entire game is about as we said kindness and that is what connects everything so well together because even in the battles it's about finding again it's a puzzle because whilst you're trying to dodge the bullet hell side of it which is keeping the part of your brain active that that's that what's the word i'm looking for the athletic part of it i guess Mm. the quotation marks um uh the mental the mental athleticness part of it Um, of reacting, with also trying to figure out the puzzle of well, what does this character like, and what do I need to do, what kindness do I need to show it? Um, Because each monster, each character, each person has a different way of showing kindness that it prefers. Mm. and So you have to figure that out so that you can win the battle. Um, But yeah, so that's what I think makes it all work. Mm. Um, And the fact that I feel like in general, and I think this kind of works for Toby even as a uh, as an individual, um, and why the game itself also works, is that it never feels like it takes itself too seriously. Mm. There's a very lighthearted tone that goes through the entire game, um, and unless you play it in a in you know in a genocide run or, or, or you know there is some more serious parts to it. Um, but throughout most of it, it has this very lighthearted jovialness to it that um, makes it feel quite relaxed, even in the parts when it gets very serious. Well, when it gets very serious, it gets very serious. But for the most part, it has a relaxed jovial feel um, that makes it less stressful. Um, although I do think that adds to when it gets serious, it feels very it, it, like it's such a different tone that it hits hard uh, whenever it brings home some of the more deep and troubling aspects of the story.
0: It's something that we should talk about, the sort of combat system, like edit, like the fact that you can sort of play through the entire game as a pacifist, a pacifist even. Um, I can never learn, know how to say that fucking word. Um, anyway, like the fact that you can play through it as a pacifist, but also play as that monumental asshole that you sort of alluded to. It comes back to subversion and Mm. this time sort of tying it in with what you said earlier about difficulty, sort of scaling up depending on how much of a massive dickhead that you are in the game. Like, it gets harder for each you know, enemy you're, you're killing basically. Like, it's it feels like the way you put it, like, it is basically kindness, uh, killing them with kindness. It feels like the mantra of the entire game, even if you are going to kill them with kindness, because then if you kill them the other way, it's just going to make life harder for you, and that feels like in itself a, a metaphor for life in a way.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: and so what's interesting, I've never done a genocide run, um, and that's another thing that I feel the game does really well. If you go through and play a pacifist run, um, you don't want to do a genocide run
2: Mm.
1: like there's some people that that like normally i'm a completionist and i would want to see all the endings and do whatever but like when you finish the game and everybody's happy and you know they're you know they've got the good ending and what have you and then you know fly turns up and reminds you and is like do you really want to restart because you're gonna you're gonna take them out of their happy ending and i'm like no i don't really So i've never booted the game up since Um, but what's interesting I've I've watched videos of a genocide run instead that's how I've got past it that's why I got over it Um, uh, what's interesting about a genocide run is yes the game becomes more difficult Um, uh, but what starts to happen is monsters don't turn up anymore fights don't happen anymore you go to the village and nobody's there. Mm. You go to the shop and the character's carring behind the corner or there's literally no one there. It becomes a game where there's no story at all. It's just you going from level to level because nobody wants to be near you because you're you're the monster now, right? Not them. You're the actual monster. Um, and then the only one that really stands up to you is Sans uh, and Undyne. And... Um, and, and like the main characters and you just have, you ruthlessly cut them down, but they're the only ones that give you any kind of challenge. Mm. Uh, and so it, it in that, in that line of, of theme of subversion, if you do decide to go the genocide run, it subverts the idea of what would happen in a normal game. If you were running around killing the enemies, because if you do do it in this game, it doesn't reward you. Mm. It punishes you tells you that you're a bad person, it makes you feel bad about it. Um, uh, and at the end, if you finish like, obviously, this is all huge spoilers, but it's, you know, it's a five year old game. So <laughs> um, uh, if you do finish a genocide run, and then you decide, okay, I'm going to do a pacifist run now, and then you do a pacifist run, even if you do a true pacifist run, you will never get the best ending after that, you will always have the soul of that other character inside you that will reveal itself right at the end, and basically imply that they murder everybody after you let them out of the underground. Even if you did a good run afterwards, doesn't matter. Game remembers that you were an asshole and you always will be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the name of that character was. Was it Chard? Or I can't remember the name of the of the other character. Um, but yeah. It's mm. it 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 gives interesting messages.
0: It's funny how you mention the fact that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, in the end, the cult Lincoln Parker it doesn't really matter <laughs> because in the end, it's like you'll still have that entire soul with you, and that uh, yeah, you can kill them with kindness all you want, but like at the same time, you're still an asshole because you still had that one soul.
2: Another. Only
1: if you do. Only if you do a genocide run.
2: Oh, okay. If you never
1: do. If you never do a genocide run, you're fine. Oh, okay. It's if you do a genocide run and then you try to do a pacifist run afterwards. It's too late.
2: Oh. Yeah.
1: Right. Very interesting. If you do pacifist run and then you have to do two, at least two runs. Okay. There's a pacifist run and then a true pacifist run. Um and at the end of the true pacifist run you get like the best ending right where everybody's mm. happy and 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 living peacefully like monsters and humans are living peacefully whatever mm. um but yeah if you do a genocide run and then even if you go through and do true pacifist at the very very end that character from the genocide turns up and yeah basically it implies everyone dies so. <laughs> don't be an asshole friends
0: <laughs> That really is a fucking mantra for life,
1: right? It's it it's a it's a humdinger, um. But yeah, I, like I don't know in life if somebody who is a read like if somebody who's done bad things can come back from that. Uh, I like I I believe in people's capacity for change, um. But I also believe it's very rare, and it has to be driven by the person really wanting to change because they've realized how much they've hurt other people, which like, even if you are somebody that has that capacity, it's a really difficult thing to do because you have to then feel the pain of, of of the hurt you've caused other people. And a lot of people will just ignore that and, and can not, they don't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean they continue being assholes forever, but like, I feel like to learn, from your mistakes you have to acknowledge them and accept them which in turn is painful so most people just won't do it (laughs) because it hurts too much
0: i feel like we we talk about undertale being a game but honestly i feel like we're honestly sort of unearthing the fact that undertale feels very much like a life game sort of dressed as a game as a traditional game anyway
1: yeah like it's it feels very meta um, and whether or not Toby planned to do that or not, I don't know. Um, I know that, you know, when he was making the game, he was quite young. And I don't think that he expected the game to be as well received as it was. And maybe that's just a testament to the kind of person that he is and how much of his own personal thoughts he put into the game or not. Like, it's, it's reading into things a lot. Um, but there's a lot of it that is in some way could be interpreted as, as a metaphor for how things work in life. Whereas if you're somebody who treats people badly, they're not going to want to be around you and mm. um, is very difficult to stop being that person uh, and, and for people to come round versus, you know, if you are somebody who treats people with kindness, even in the face of them attacking you, um, you know, the world just becomes a much nicer place. Mm. uh so there's there's lots of things I'm sure that that you could probably read it another way. um it's just like any piece of media or text you know um there's usually multiple ways to read into it and and this is the way we're choosing to read into it, but it also feels like the, the most obvious um and the one that kind of makes sense and the one that that best I think reflects um the messages that it sends like you know not everybody builds messages into the stuff that they make maybe it's accidental maybe it's how they think about life and it ended up in there without them realizing it and that could be the case of what happened with undertale and um, but regardless i think that that's the overwhelming message that comes through for mm. sure
0: mm.
1: yeah i agree
0: i think it also helps and the fact that because of it is, because it is your favorite game it's sort of Ties into that sort of character trait that you personally have, Kitty, in terms of that killing I think them I with have. kindness.
1: <laughs> that I like to think that I have. <laughs> I think, you know, um, uh, I do also think that I am my own hardest cricket. I, critic, critic. Cricket? I'm my own hardest cricket. I'm Your my own, own hardest own... <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> right? I am the Jiminy Cricket of, of this
2: <laughs> scenario. Um,
1: yeah, I, I think people tend to be their, their hardest critic. Um, uh, but then there in certain ways we, when we like to think nice things about ourselves and who we are, um, or it's, it's more thinking about who we want to be, Hmm. right? And so I think that I would describe myself as somebody who wants to kill with kindness and wants to be kind. And I think because I want to be those things and try to be those things, I, 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 I am because I do those actions. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean (laughs) that that those are like, it, it is who I am, if that makes sense. It's who I try to be and want to be, and so kind of am. But, you know, I don't know if everyone would agree with that. You know, as I say, I'm human and everybody is, um, and what comes with being human is our fallibleness and, and, and our times where we might not necessarily be the things we want or try to be, um... And that's what I that's one of the things I like about Undertale as well, because like, you know, a lot of the monsters that that you overcome, you know, you killing them with kindness is usually just like being nice to them because they're only really coming at you because they're grumpy,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right? They're not bad people or bad monsters. They're just grumpy or whatever reason. And when you calm them down, they're fine. And I think that's the same with people and the same with myself. There's times where I am grumpy or maybe a bit meaner or sharper than I mean to be. And it's probably because I'm grumpy or something else is going on. And it all it takes is somebody to be nice to me to bring me back to that person that I want to be, which is somebody who's nice and empathetic and, and you know, supportive.
2: Hmm.
0: Anyway. <laughs> it shows that... Uh to quote Daft Punk we're human after all
1: right I know you're very sad about Daft Punk (laughs) it's still
0: too soon it's been nine days and it's still too soon
2: (laughs) but like
1: I know it I I know it I think what's sad about something ending or something you know coming to an end I suppose is that A the passage of time sucks (laughs) and all the good things are gone (laughs) Uh, B, it reminds you of your own age and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, But at the same time, like, I'm happy for them. They get to retire and enjoy their retirement. And there really isn't a lot of, you know, bands that you can look back on that retired together. Right? They never fell out. They never had any issues. They never went separate and did weird solo careers that nobody really cared about. (laughs) Like they 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 stuck together the whole time and now they're gonna happily retire and and just enjoy some time off and I think that's rad. But they will still be missed. Mm. They and, and and I think that I still probably the same as you. I can still listen to any old Daft Punk song and it will immediately warp me back to a time in my life. uh, uh in the same way that I listen to Undertale songs, that I do. <laughs> I'm
0: joking. No, Um, that's a good segue, actually, because my next question is the soundtrack, because it feels like such a most, not even a most, the most influential aspect of the game in terms of its populace and mm. how just sort of it's viewed as, anyway, because, like, like it's the other person who is talking of Undertale did say that it was basically sort of like a key aspect of the game that people don't seem to tend to realize about games is that soundtracks are sort of underrated in a way.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, and I'm somebody that listens to a lot of sound, uh, video game soundtracks, um, like in my day-to-day, um, per- pop- like purposely because soundtracks are usually designed to help you focus on the game. Um, and so I listen to them when I work because they help me focus on work. Um, but I realized as we bring up sound that I I lied a little bit. I Ooh. did have another thing that made me that got me into Undertale. I listened to the soundtrack before I played the game. The first song I listened to was Megalovania that had that had Sands in it. And um, so I knew that you would fight Sans at some point before I played the game. Um, but I listened to that soundtrack, that 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 piece of music, and I was like, it sounds like a boss battle, but it sounds like there's something about it. Like this song is like even The song itself was just giving me feelings because it felt righteous. Right. Or something like it's hard to describe. And then I played the game. And and the, so the first time I met Sans, I was like, oh, I know that I'm going to fight him. And um, and then I and then obviously this the the or at least I thought that um, because of the soundtrack. And so I went through and then obviously I played it and I got to know Sans and then I got to the end of the game and I was like, I never fought Sans. I never heard that song. Mm. The fuck? That's whenever I, I started investigating into the genocide run because I was really confused and then and then realized everything else, what have you. Uh, but yeah, like, I still listen to so much of the soundtrack even, even now because, like, Toby made a lot of that game by himself. There was some stuff he got people to help him with, but he made most of it himself. Um, and so, you know, he relied on kind of pixel art for a lot of it, partly because, you know, he didn't have money or resources to to get his own artist, um, even though there was an artist, I think, that helped him later on. Uh, so we used the tools. Basically, like a lot of great media, um, he used his restrictions as best he could and to uh, to his to his advantage. And so the tools that he did have was the story writing, um, the mechanics he could program, and the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a very talented he's a very talented musician. Um, mm. I don't know. <laughs> he seems like the sort of person that that is a very harsh critic of himself and maybe would not agree. Um, but like his, all of his pieces of music tell their own story. And when you get to an impactful scene, the music just is every single time tone perfect. And so it, you know, it's at the point now that I can still listen to any of those songs and I will see the scene that it's from perfectly in my head. And, and and you know not necessarily feel the exact same feelings but feel a ghost of them um yeah. that that still resonates um and like i I'm I just don't think that they'd have the same impact otherwise uh, and it's yeah it's just. There's some games that I listen to that have that. And there's other games where the music is really forgettable. Uh, uh, A good example is the difference between Phoenix Wright one versus versus Phoenix Wright two, they changed the music. And I still to this day, when I think of Phoenix Wright, I always think of the music from the first game Hmm. and the music from the second game. Just I never remember (laughs) that it changed or that it's different. And then I play it and I'm like, oh, this is so this is just not as good. And, it, and the game just doesn't feel as punchy or as enjoyable because the music just is worse. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, I think that it it is definitely underrated how much uh, of a big difference good music could make. Not to people that, that I think game devs know, hmm. but maybe outside of a wider context, they don't really think about it so much. It's It's the thing that doesn't get as much praise it doesn't get as much praise as it should, hmm. um, but yeah.
0: Hmm. Um, you know it's in Toby Fox and how he basically did every, well—not everything, but most of the things in that game. And although he did get some help outside, like he still did a lot of the big aspects of the game: narrative, story, the music, program, etc., and the art, like. <laughs> Like There are very few people who can make a game pretty much as a one-man band and get the success it has gotten. Obviously, you look at what's happened with Stardew Valley as well and how that's yeah. gone. It feels like Stardew and Undertale feels like the only two success stories in terms of one-man bands, let's say. um, But I digress. Like... <sighs> As a producer, like, just sort of give me an idea of just how hard that would be, even just for, like, a team to just try and do that, let alone, like, one person to make a game like Undertale, basically.
1: I feel like if you were making it on... I think the the, the biggest issue is scope creep. Mm. um, Because, like, if I'm working with a team uh, and, and we're working together to try and uh, bring something to life um we all start out with with grand ideas uh and and things that we'd like to do but then over time we realize our ability and then start to chip away at that um together as a team and discuss things and you know like if somebody gets sick or or if something happens like we're there as a team to support each other uh if we get stuck on a programming problem you know maybe a programmer can rubber duck debug with me or um, we can review each other's work and and just it, it's it, it's a it's a nice collaborative experience. Versus if you're working on something like that on your own, I could imagine it would feel a bit isolating, um, and you wouldn't be able. Like if you got stuck in any issues like that, you there really wouldn't be that many people to talk to that would be familiar with your code base or the work that you were doing. Mm. Um, and I would wonder how like there. There's obviously a positive in that if there's one person working on one thing and they have a singular vision for what they're doing, um, it's easier, like there's less debate or discussion. But there's also a lot uh, that working in a team and people bringing lots of different ideas brings to your project because maybe somebody will have experience of something or bring something to the table that you don't necessarily have. And that's a big strength and can make a project much stronger. But you can also get a too many cook scenario where too many people are trying to put in ideas and, and it just doesn't work hmm. versus one person has their one track. Um, but then they don't necessarily have somebody to tell them this is actually a bit too much, you should pull back. Um so uh but in terms of even just like pure skill set hmm. involved, I think I know one person in Northern Ireland Who kind of has that skill set where they can do everything. But yeah, uh, like that, the problem with being that kind of one man band is that it's a lot of pressure Mm. as well. Um, And it, it, you know, it takes a long time to learn all those skills. Uh, And so I think unless you have like a real passion project, something that you just have to do and are willing to sacrifice other things that you may wanna do to learn all those skills it just takes a really long time um, mm. versus if you brought on people who specialized in those areas and worked together, it would take significantly less time. And um, so like, I think there's lots of different levels there in terms of the time it takes to, I think there's a lot of different things there um, involved, like in that it, it takes time to learn the skills. It takes a lot more time to get the thing done because, um, Obviously you can't have somebody doing the art and the programming and the sound all at the same time. Mm. You have to work on them all individually. Um, so there, there is a lot of drawbacks, but then there's, you know, obviously a lot of positives as well in that you have control over the entire vision. You get to, to make exactly what you want to make. You can really just spend your time on it. Like you don't have to rush. Mm. You can do it at your own speed. Um, so, yeah, positives and negatives, um, uh, like <laughs> I've tried to make my own little projects in the past and I like it. I, You know, it's fun, but, you know, they are things that take me a couple of days, I wouldn't do more than that because to me that would just it feels a bit like a fool's errand a little bit because of just, you know, if you look at it and I, and I, I you know, you just see as particularly as a producer, I'm always future planning. And thinking about uh, thinking ahead, and if I saw the breadth of, of everything that had to be done on a project like Stardew Valley or Undertale, I would get so overwhelmed. <laughs> Knowing that it would be me on my own doing all of the things, like,
0: woof. And like Stardew's an evolving game as well, like it's never ending. Unlike you know Undertale.
1: No, yeah, it's. I think I can't remember, I think the guy's still developing it even now. Like the last. Uh, update i was aware of was the co-op one which was a while ago now but like that was a couple of years ago but i think he's still working on it yeah. and not even paid updates like they're unpaid updates that he's working on still um and maybe he has moved on to some other stuff I, like who knows but um that's a it's hard to work on one thing for that long i think um you do hit a wall particularly around, like when you start to get close to development and all you're doing is QA, I find that most people start to hit a wall around then where they just want the game to be finished and they just want to get it out mm. and get a little sick of, of looking at what they're doing. But that guy just keeps going. I don't know how he does it, to be perfectly honest. He must have will like a will of steel or just really, really loves the movie. Really... Maybe it's different when it's your own baby that you've been working on by yourself. I, mm. I don't know.
0: Like, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine at this point. I don't know. I mean Fuck <laughs> Your guess would be probably as good as mine because like you are the producer. You you would know more of these sorts of types <laughs> of things than I would. And I've done and I've done this nearly twelve years now, and I'd like to think I have some semblance some more some of an idea of what it'd be like. But yeah. like you know, sort of making
1: Like I guess it would be nice. It would depend how you do it. Like those two are examples of people that, that it was their, it is their full-time job, right? You know, Toby Fox had a Kickstarter um, and then spent three years making it. Um, I don't know what the Stargy Valley guy did. I think he just quit his job and did it mm. like for play to him. And he made his money in the end, but I think he, and that was a long time coming that one. Um, Cause it was Chucklefish ended up publishing that in the end wasn't it yeah um so it's just one of those things where it's like okay it was their full-time job so you know they could kind of you know they didn't have the pressures of having to do another job around it and i guess you know they could set their own hours and work do the work around their life and and you know be flexible about it um yeah so maybe they absolutely like maybe it's just fantastic and it's the best thing ever but I, f- I'm the sort of person, like personally, I love working with people. It's part of the reason why I'm a producer. Um, uh, like I think, I like doing creative work with like web design still even now because I like to make things. It's part of why I like games. I like that creative side of making something from nothing. But I think if I didn't have a job where I wasn't working with people or in contact with them day in, day out, I'd go nuts. And I just think that's personality types, though. Some people are the opposite. Mm. They'd hate to do what I do.
0: (laughs) I just double-checked, by the way. Stardew Valley just turned five, as of recording this, last week, February 26th. Damn,
1: and he's still working on it. And I think it took a good four or five years to make as well. Mm. Undertale was three years. I know... Stargy Valley was longer. So, 10 years. Oof, can you? I can't even imagine working on the same thing for 10 years.
0: I mean, really? Bungie's been doing it for 10 years with Destiny nearly. Technically.
2: Jeez.
0: That, But that's a big, massive team. You're talking Concerned Ape. That's one person Oh, still. yeah, yeah, yeah. Albeit with one a little person. help probably here and there. But like... Yeah. Jeez. Mad
1: like. And, and, and he obviously loves it. You couldn't work on something 10 years if you didn't love it, mm. if you didn't enjoy it in some way. And so, like, obviously the positives of working on something on his own with his one, with his singular vision and, um, you know, working on getting to work on all the different aspects on it is something that he really enjoys. Mm. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that before he started, he was a programmer and then started making it and then learned all the art and everything else and the music afterwards. I'm pretty sure I saw like a video interview where he said that, um, which kind of makes sense to me because programming, learning that the other way around, if you were an artist and you and you'd never really programmed, um, I feel like it would be more difficult, um, or 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 kind of take longer to become satisfying. Um, although looking at some of his early art versus some of his later art. Um, you can see it took him a long time to learn art <laughs> successfully too. Um it, it's definitely a, a long term skill. But yeah, like fair play. Fair play to both of them. I don't think I could do it personally, but they obviously those kind of people love it, so
0: mm. um on that sort of line of thinking then um the next game from Toby Fox, um, Deltarune. That has been in the works for a few years anyway. And that first episode is actually already out. It's been out for a good while. Did you get to play it yet?
2: I did, I did, yeah. What, what did you I think? Did the moment I could.
0: What do you think?
1: It's been a while now since I played it, to be fair. Um, I remember really liking it. Um, it. It's a... You know, it it feels like it starts off in the world that was created after Undertale, mm. right? So it's a world where humans and monsters now exist, Um, and it's not necessarily like, it's not a, not necessarily a redemption arc anymore, but it still has that thinking about what we talked about earlier, when we talked about kindness and subversion, Mm. it still feels like it's following the threads of those two themes because, um, it starts off with like the two characters and then you meet a third character and it feels like it's all about like you know you've you have your the the other like side character that you end up you know falling down the well um Mm. uh, with uh, is very gruff and you're like oh they're gonna warm up to me eventually we're gonna be friends this is gonna be great um and it subverts that by being like no haha fuck you um this character uh doesn't necessarily hate you but just like has no love for you and He's just no a interest head. pretty much at uh, no interest in being your friend. Uh, and so the whole tone of the game is still kill with kindness, but then it subverts it by being like, but it didn't work this time. And it's not gonna work this time. And 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 there's there's another layer layer of like it, it basically it's subverting the expectation of somebody who's played Undertale before. Mm. and that to me is interesting interesting in the same way that I find the final Fantasy 7 remake interesting where it took it's taking the expectations now of players that have played the games before and 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 you know flipping them on their head and um, mm. which to be fair is you know is really the only way the only place they could have gone with with Deltarune, um in a way that was that was gonna like give a similar kind of impact as Undertale, so I I'm looking forward to the full game. Um, uh, it, it's a, on my highly anticipated list. I have absolutely no idea when it's coming out. Uh, but the writing was great, the sound was great. I I like that art style anyway. Um, the this the third character you picked up actually really annoyed me when I first met them. <laughs> because they were too nice (laughs) and I was like oh my god you're kind of annoying me Uh, but in the same way that Papyrus first annoyed me when I met him I couldn't stand Papyrus at first and then by the time I got to the dating scene I was like okay no I get you I understand why you're so great now you're just you're just such a pure wee soul can't hate
2: you
0: Turns out there is a limit to being just too nice. There is actually a person oh, yeah. where you could just sort of meet a threshold of okay, they're too nice. I don't trust yeah. you.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. There, there definitely is that. Um, I have, I know I've had that at least once in my life, where somebody really didn't like me and I couldn't figure out why. And then we were at a, a house party. Sorry, this is this is a total tangent, but we were at a house party. Um, and a guy was there that I didn't like, and he was trying to, the person who lived there, he was trying to steal like one of their fancy bottles of vodka or something. Mm. And he had been going to every room at that point, just being annoying to people. And I just lost it Adam, I was just like, you know what, just fucking leave. Put down that bottle of alcohol that doesn't belong to you and leave. And he left. Um, and then the next day when I went back to work, cause that person had been there, it was a work party. They were nice to me ever since they, they liked me after that. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I was so confused. Um, but all I could surmise is that because in work, obviously I had my professional face on all the time, which is very much happy go lucky. Like I'm not going to show, um, uh, stuff like that. Like it wouldn't be professional. Mm. Um, uh, I thought a lot more like that in those days. I, I've I've kind of grown or moved on from that thinking. But um, anyway, I think them seeing me lose my cool and actually show like other emotions, I guess, um, made them realize. All oh, right, yeah, they're uh, they're she's a she's a whole human being <laughs> with another side to herself. I, I trust you now. <laughs> so funny.
0: She's not fully sugar and spice and everything nice.
1: No, no, and and nobody is. Uh, no. uh, that's just not how it works, mm. but I, 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 that's how I feel about, um, I, th- I guess characters in Undertale as well is that, you know, it does spend time, you'll get this like initial representation of characters, but then it does spend time fleshing them, all of the main characters out in such a way that, you know, whatever, regardless of what your initial impressions of them were, um it gives you enough information to see them as, like, a, you know, fully fleshed-out character.
0: Did I ask a question on something that you mentioned there now about Deltarune? Um, like, what arc is Deltarune if it's not redemption?
1: Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's not really enough on the, enough of the game. Like, maybe there might be redemption later, but, like, the initial, the initial arc of that first part that you get to see um, it felt more about rebellion. It felt more about um, because, we, you know, we're introduced to this new world, right? The the world that you created or, or hopefully created at the end of Undertale, which is, you know, maybe not a utopia, but a, a peaceful world where monsters and humans kind of live together. And then you have this one character that I don't think is necessarily, like, evil, but is rebelling against it, wants to be a monster, wants to be feared, wants to live in a way that feels more authentic Mm. to how they feel as a person. And they can't do that within the bounds of this current society. Um, And so they do rebel and like when you get to know them they're and they're not actually like that scary um they you know they they're just a person like you are mm. um that feels confined or restricted mm. because they want to live their life in a different way than what is socially acceptable so i think it's rebellion at least at the start for that character uh, and 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 friction between different types of people uh, I, I hope that the conclusion to that is is kind of finding a middle ground between how people like that can live in a way that is right and authentic to them that doesn't hurt other people uh, and how they can find their own version of peace and unity that that feels right that they get to live and not feel restricted because, mm. you know, to live in a society you do have to compromise in some way. Everybody does if we mm. want to live peacefully. Um, and sometimes that compromise is more for others than it is for, for some people. Like, you know, for people like my husband, it's really easy because <laughs> he's just, I don't know, the, the best person I know. Um, but for other people, it is really difficult, especially, you know, say, for example, people who are naturally just more aggressive, right, Or 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 have you know, more, you know, I don't want to say testosterone, because that's the wrong thing. <laughs> but you know, uh, they, they, they've just got more energy or more life or, or they're more physically active people or whatever, that's fitting in less and less in this kind of society that we have now. Um, you know, where is the place for them, they should still be able to express themselves and should still be able to, you know, live in a way that makes sense to them. Um, uh whilst also still being being able to do it in a way that that enables us to have a cohesive society anyway, it's all very grand grand overarching stuff I, that's the feelings I get from Delta Rune so mm. far mm. um I don't know how that's actually gonna play out um but I'm interested and and uh, it'll be interesting to see if that is the the overarching theme that runs through the through the whole game
0: Hmm. Um, I just realised, in asking that question, I completely asked it in that, <laughs> it literally as I finished asking that question, it just dawned on me, oh fuck, I asked that question as if it was from that line from WandaVision, what is grief if not love? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, oh, WandaVision, we could get into a whole conversation about that, I'm so excited.
2: Oh, Friday. The
1: episode Friday Friday can't come
0: soon enough. Friday can't Yay! come soon enough. I know, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway. anyway. Um, what else do you like about Undertale that we've not discussed?
1: I think the only thing that we haven't really touched on is maybe some of the side characters. Hmm. Um, I like that um, there's not tons and tons of it, but there's a lot of very soft world building in Undertale that really adds a lot of character to the overall game that you wouldn't necessarily need. Like the game would still work without it, but um, adds to that whole idea of like, you know, caring about the world and caring about people because you can have these nice interactions. Like when you find the Tammy village, Man, it's so silly. Ah, oh, And like when you find just these like silly little side nooks or like the octopus, the smiley octopus that just follows you along that one point for no reason. You're just like, what is going on? <laughs> um, or like, what is the two characters when you get to uh, like one of the near, villi- near end villages or towns and there's like the two characters, like the cat character, can't remember the name which i don't know if that supports or or disproves my argument but or what i'm trying to say but like each character that you meet has a very distinctive personality and a very distinctive um like uh way of being in conversation like the guy that like 100% feels like a really uh fed up burger king employee <laughs> mm. it's just like i would be rather be anywhere but here <laughs> um uh, there's just lots of little characters around the main cast that add uh, a lot of character and, and life to the entire game that make it feel like more than just like a place where there may be monsters it feels like actual communities and an actual thriving life uh, that add a lot uh, that I really enjoyed um, and I, I think that's maybe it. There's probably more, but mm. um, I think those are the key points that have st- at least stuck with me over mm. the years.
0: On that note, just we were talking about sort of character development earlier. Like, just how important, uh, oh, it feels very moot in saying this in, in regards to Undertale, because obviously it provides that big, massive character development, at least in terms of the main characters. I don't know. But how much does it sort of give that sort of lean in? that backing with side characters as well, like, how much development do they sort of get as well?
1: It depends what you mean by side characters. Uh, do you mean, uh, like, by side characters, do you mean some of the, like, smaller ones that you meet, or do you mean, for example, like, Undyne, mm. or... I can't remember the, the the other woman's name, the lizard woman's name, uh, mm. that is Undyne's love interest. The one in the little lab coat. Hmm. Oh, I can't remember her name. That's going to really bug me. Um, I, I would call them side characters. Right? Okay. I would say the main characters uh, are yourself, Fly, Sans, uh, I would argue Papyrus as well, uh, Asgore and Toriel. To me, those are the main characters. And then some of the side characters are metatron undyne and then the lizard woman's name who i completely just <laughs> um it's gonna annoy me so much i have to look it up uh anyway look i'd kind of argue that they're the obsidiary cast um and it goes into a lot of detail with them like mm. you still get your little date sections with them um and particularly in the passive true pacifist run you learn more about what the lizard lady uh, kind of did in her past life. And then you start to learn about Professor Gast um, and you learn more about what San was doing. Like there's stuff that you start to learn about them that involves not directly talking to them. And you start to learn things about their past and about Asgore's past. There's a lot of story building outside and a lot of character building outside of the actual character progression. So I would argue like character progression is like undying, going from wanting to murder you to becoming your friend, to dating you, to kind of growing as a person and maybe asking your woman out on a date, Ooh. <laughs> um, versus the character background building stuff where you're learning things like through the environment, right? Hmm. Um. Uh, when it comes to super super minor characters like the Tammy Village or the Burger King guy, like you only get a gist of their personality through scant interactions with them. You don't necessarily get like um, uh, anything greater than that. Uh, I don't think you need to because it, it's kind of more just world building. Um, but the the main and subset of characters themselves, I think that you get quite a lot. Uh, that gives you information about key areas of the history of the world mm. as well mm. in the process.
0: What didn't you like about Undertale?
1: I'm not Googling anything. <laughs> Sorry, this character is. This character name is.
0: It's literally doing, escaping you!
1: <laughs> it's doing my head in. I need the main characters. We it. We oh right, it's giving them me from There's a mad dummy. Alphys. Oh Oh. sorry. I had to I had to Oh I keep forgetting about Muffet. Muffet is the spider character. Uh I don't think you ever learned much about her, but she has one of the best soundtracks. Um okay, right, I'm fine. I I have learned what I needed to know. What didn't I like? What didn't I like? I don't know. I can't think of anything I didn't like. <laughs> Is that bad? Um, the t- like, I, didn't, the, I remember the game nearly lost me on the tutorial level, like at the very start, mm. um, because it really did feel like it was pulling teeth. Mm. And when I got past it and got through all that other stuff, I kind of realized it was purposeful because it was Toriel, that was like mumming you right she was she was putting you in a protective bubble um and she was like teaching you to suck eggs on purpose um because she was like okay now oh this is very dangerous okay the danger's over now now we can just relax at home um and then you try to actually leave and then you're in basically into the real game Hmm. so that, that that section wasn't great for me um uh it has been a really long time since I played so maybe there was more that annoyed me but mm. like it's such a short game that there's nothing that overstays its welcome long enough to become mm. that frustrating it felt like to me anyway um there was maybe some of the later levels in like the lava area that that you know weren't my uh favorite parts of the game but nothing that frustrated me so much that I would say that I even dislike them that hard. Uh, before it got to that point, I was I would be on to the next part, right? Hmm. Um, uh, like one thing that I could see some people not liking is the very very end boss. Um, not not the big wings guy, but the the creepy vine dude. <laughs> um, I, I I'm trying not to say it directly because. You know, that is like the spoiler of the spoilers, um, even though everything else I've said is a spoiler so far. Um, but the way it then starts to take control of your game, I think some people wouldn't like. Maybe? I don't know. I loved it, though, because that kind of ties into the whole meta thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's much that I really disliked mm. or that I would that I would do differently.
0: hmm. Um, this would be the point where I would ask top three sort of favourite games in a franchise or a developer, but, like, there is no top three Undertale games. There's no top three Toby Fox games. Yet. Yet. So, with that in mind, what would you say is the legacy of Undertale? Because, like, it's been six years at this point. We can ascertain that it meant something. It feels like Mm -hmm. a metaphor for life itself, it feels like a key sort of telling of the m- m- meta of life itself, basically. K- providing life mm-hmm. lessons, killing people with kindness and stuff like that there. But yeah. also stuff like the soundtrack and stuff like that there. Because like the soundtrack is so beloved. What is its so, legacy, like, so basically, after nearly six years now at this point?
1: I, I watched uh, a video recently... What's that guy's username? Super Eye Wolf or something? Yes. Um. Yeah, I watched his video recently on the community of Undertale. Um. And that video is something to behold, uh, because he delves into a lot of the fan fictions and the fan fictions of the fan fictions and the fan fictions of the fan fictions it of the fan fictions. It goes really mad
0: when you put it like that. <laughs>
1: It's crazy, right? He talked about one particular one that's an animation that takes all of the different fan fictions and put them into, put them into one like animation. And it's just like, and it works. It works really well. Um, and it's just, I think the legacy of Undertale is that. I don't think, I think the, the, the community and the legacy of Undertale has outgrown the game itself. And it's more, although I love the game itself and what it stands for and what it is in and of itself, the thing that's gonna that's persisted and lasted is what the community around it, the, the inspiration it has caused in other people mm. and how those communities have joined together to make these huge areas of the world and the internet um, where they've come together and find their own creativity and been inspired by it and created their own things and Mm. I think that's super cool.
0: mentions go for it
1: okay i made a list
0: (laughs) she did make a list she told me she made a list but i don't know what's on this list
1: you don't um i kind of made a list of some stuff based on like i was trying to weigh up other things as well but you know i've mostly gone for things that made me feel something or grab me in some way so i mentioned before gods will be watching Mm. is one of them um and kind of in line with that i don't know if you've ever heard of the chaos theory games by yahtzee he actually um, made his own series of point and click adventure games that are like a star. They are fantastic. This is the first um, time I found
0: out about Yahtzee making his own games.
1: Oh yeah, he's made four of them. Uh, the first one I think is called Four Days a Stranger where you're, you're basically uh, a thief that's tried to break into a house but when you break in you can't get out again and there's six other people in the house that also can't get out and so the game is you trying to escape and... But then you realize there's an axe murderer in the house trying to murder everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Thus is the game. Uh, And then there's three other games that are exactly, I think it's something like exactly uh, 57 years in the past, 57 years in the future, and then one in present day. And they're all kind of linked together, but they're not. Mm. They're really well done. Um, I would highly recommend them. Uh, Gods will be watching is a similar point and click adventure game um, where you you and your team are stranded on a planet and you have to uh, manage your team and the resources that you have to get off the planet. Um, but then it kind of starts to jump uh, through time and becomes another timey whammy head fucky uh, adventure, point and click adventure game. Hmm. And I just, I, 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 I really enjoyed both of them for how their mechanics played out i enjoy point and click adventure games that um kind of subvert the idea of what a point and click adventure game should be by actually being very mechanically interesting um uh yes another game on my list is gree uh which is uh i i would argue completely different um and not necessarily because of how beautiful it is and how fantastic the soundtrack is um uh or for or for the gameplay but literally just because i loved its interpretation of grief and um, some people really disagree with it quite quite a lot um but i really enjoyed it um i mentioned oxenfree i'll, I'll not, I'll Oxen- not to talk too much uh, uh, uh. oxenfree right it's it's just
0: At the time of recording this, it won't be by the time this comes out, but at the time of recording this, it is so stupidly fucking cheap on the PlayStation Store. It's literally less than a pound. And if by some God willing force, someone can feel me talking about Oxenfree right now and say it is literally 90p on the PlayStation Store. You do not buy Oxenfree, regardless of what price it is, but especially at 90p on the PlayStation Store. Mm. (coughs) I don't even want to know you, dead. I don't even want to know you. It it's is uh, that good.
1: It's, it's free on Xbox Pass as well.
0: Oh uh, shit! Now you have yeah. no excuse.
1: Now you have no excuse. Um, yes. Um, I've realized my list is longer than I thought. I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, I'm keep going. Keep going, to...
0: keep, keep going. Keep okay.
1: going. Um, Return of Oberdin. Return of the Oberdin. Um, I really super appreciate games that are meant to be single-player experiences that I can play multiplayer. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with Phoenix Wright, um, Return of Oberdin, I actually played with my partner. Um, And I just, I love games that make me have a notepad and pen (laughs) beside me. (laughs) And like the the answers are not fed to me. Like I really have to use my own investigative skills to work things out. Um, uh, So I really enjoyed that. Um, The Sexy Brutale is another one of those games that I think that is a, like a really intricate puzzle game that uses uh, a kind of, uh, what's the name of that movie <laughs> that I cannot remember? I can't remember stuff, Grindhog Day, uh, it uses a grind dog, hey, grind dog day mechanic where um, basically time goes until you die and then it reverses. Mm. Um, but like the art style of that game is so unique and it's so flamboyant and gorgeous. Um, and, you know, it's not necessarily there, there's not really necessarily character development or anything like that, but I love murder mysteries, right? Uh, and trying to figure out that sort of stuff. And there's so many movie mechanics in this game where you can't, there's no way to see everything in one, in one like loop time loop. You really have to like go around and, and go down different avenues and see what people are doing, um, which is just super, uh, super interesting. Um, I mentioned Final Fantasy uh and broken sword obvious reasons they have you know uh places in my heart uh i i played broken sword with my mum growing up and that was part of how we bonded as well so Mm. i have a lot of love for it um and then the last one is super brother sword and sorcery Mm. um which is another kind of point and click adventure game um that i really really enjoyed uh, that actually the developers are really close to me now. They live, like, they li- they're they in Canada. And I realized when I moved here, I was like, Ooh. um And then a friend of mine got a job as a producer with him. And I was like, oh, like, good for you. But also, damn, like, there's some companies that's like, if I could work there, I'd be like, like the Crypt of the Necrodancer people, hmm. they're in Vancouver. And they were looking for a producer a while ago. And I was like, oh my God, employ me. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. But they said they liked my CV. <laughs> but yeah, um I just I I love games. Uh, like there's so many games that I obviously like to play, but any games that really make me either have to think and really use my own brain or really leave me with either a feeling or a a, a, a you know, a kind of message afterwards stick with me. Mm. Um and you know, Super Brothers I feel like more left me with uh, like feelings afterwards rather than actual messages, uh, and yeah, just a really great game. Hmm. That's my list.
0: If I seem slightly distracted right now, and I'm going to keep this in the episode, but if I seem slightly distracted right now, I'm keeping an eye on Twitter because there we go. We've just announced the premiere date for the for season five. <laughs> Literally, oh, as we're nice. recording this. So, that's why I'm sort of keeping track on Twitter. It's literally just going live. So, that's why I'm sort of keep the distracted a little bit. It's okay. That's fine. Um. <laughs> oh, the joys of wearing two hats at one time. Um. <laughs> top three games of all time. What would they be? Obviously, on the tail top, how would you rank two and three?
1: That is such a question. Oh, my goodness. Uh. A game that I haven't even mentioned yet, but I think would be my number two, would be Hades. Mm. Hades and Transistor. I didn't even mention Transistor, and like its paraphernalia is all over my house. (laughs) Because I love Transistor. Oh god, no, do you know what? Two is Transistor. I didn't even mention Transistor, man. Um, Transistor is just. Oh god, it's beautiful. The soundtrack is amazing. The mechanics are so great and refined, but the overarching story and narrative of that game just it's hauntingly beautiful, but also is just a, a fantastic metaphor um, that that just stays with you. Um, all of, of Supergiant's games are fantastic. Um, but yeah, so that would be second, third Oh God, this is so hard. You, d- I didn't know I was gonna have to pick my top three. Um, I feel like it's somewhere between Oxenfree and Return of Overdun. Mm-hmm. Some, somewhere there, I think. Yeah. Okay, so it's technically six, but you know that, that you caught me off guard with that one. That was the point. <laughs> I know it was mean <laughs>
0: It was mean and I yeah. loved it.
1: <laughs> I know you did. What was that about killing with kindness? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god. That's <laughs> been here to kids. No. <laughs> oh, what did I expect?
1: on Twitter at kitty underscore Crawford. That's where I mostly uh, post all my shit. Um, uh, I am currently working on three games that people may or may not be interested in. Um, one of them is a kid's game called Math Makers. So maybe maybe not this necessarily this uh, target's audience, but it's a game that teaches kids math and is actually a game rather than a gamification. Um, of content. I'm also working on a point-and-click adventure game called Chinatown Detective Agency, which is a cyberpunk noir uh, game set in the future where you play as Amira, who has just opened her first detective agency in Singapore. Uh, And then I'm also finishing off uh, some uh, DLC for Game of Thrones Tale of Crows, which is uh, an idle narrative game on the Apple Arcade uh that goes through the history of the night's watch from its inception to the start of the first season of the show um otherwise uh probably gonna be after this recording is out but the game ni game awards is this weekend um if you haven't seen it you should definitely check it out uh keelan has done a Keelan James and everyone else involved has done up an absolutely fantastic. Somebody else I know is hosting it. I don't know who. I don't know who. No. I, this, this
0: person, like, I don't, I don't. Who's
1: hosting it? Um, who <laughs> is hosting it? I
0: don't know. I don't know. I don't know who, who's hosting it.
1: <laughs> Say nothing. You'll find out on the night. Um, <laughs> um, lastly, uh, I have a dumb, I have my own dumb podcast, which is just me and three friends uh, talking about dumb stuff. Called first person shouters. Um, it's linked on my Twitter, but it's also at first at fp and it really is just us talking about dumb stuff. Um, uh, but we're having a good time.
0: Thanks for listening to My Favourite Game, a podcast by Play Diaries where people in the games industry come on to talk of their favourite game. If you want to listen to future episodes of My Favourite Game or press play before they go live publicly, please consider subscribing to our $2 tier on Patreon at patreon.com slash playdiaries. Next week, Juan Hasmer on Day of the Tentacle. Until next week, bye bye.